Good evening. Welcome in to however many of you, you are choosing to spend your night with us on YouTube. Gabe DeArmond here, PowerMizzou.com. Wednesday night, uh, it is the weirdest week of the year, football and basketball. Uh, really, the next three weeks are like this, so shows are changing. We're doing them at different times. We'll get back on a, a little bit more regular schedule going forward, but uh, our football show was on Monday, we had to record that early because Missouri played Monday night. Now we are transitioning to a football show and a basketball show every week. This is our basketball show, so you may notice the guy on the other side of your screen no longer appears to be Gerard Hamilton. Uh, that is Drew King joining us now. Uh, Drew, it is, uh, it's what we were about seven and a half months removed from the last game, mm -hmm. something like that. Finally, uh, finally got going again this week. Yeah, it's the best time of year, Gabe, as everybody knows. It's crossover season. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we have some basketball to actually talk about now rather than just kind of hypothetically on paper. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. So before we get into that, and I'm, I'm sure and in, in want to invite those of you who are here watching live with us, uh, comments, questions, whatever you've got, uh, feel free to throw them in the queue. We will get to those as this show goes on. We'll hang out with you for a while. We don't really have any time frame. But before we get to uh, talking about basketball and I'm sure recruiting, which a bunch of people are going to be pretty interested in. So you said it's the best time of the year. So I listened to a few Mizzou basketball podcasts this week. Okay. Just to kind of get ready for the show and everything or for the season and everything. And almost everybody brought up the same point. They said, why do we do this? We start the season and all these games are awful. So Missouri started on Monday night and like, I get it. You don't want to open the season with Memphis, but how much cooler would it be if Friday night was actually the first game? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Like, some of these non-conference matchups are going to be really fun. I'm looking ahead to ne next week, next Tuesday. Like, we've got Duke versus Michigan State. We've got Kansas and Kentucky. We've got Marquette and Illinois. Like, it's going to be, um, like, a, a rager of a, of a day for basketball. Monday night wasn't really that, though. Monday wasn't. Um, yeah. We had some teams that um, had some really, really disappointing performances Monday and Tuesday night, but those are pretty few and far between. Like, I agree with you. The opening night should be a lot more exciting for college basketball. Absolutely. It, like the, the best game of the night was K-State USC and it was at like 10 o'clock. I mean, yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't even watch it. it. And it was on some channel I don't get. I don't even remember what channel. But um, so want to want to throw up uh, Jared is, is one of our regular viewers and appreciate you, Jared, with the tip. So Last year, I said if Ben Sternberg dunked, I would dedicate an entire column to it. Who should that player be this season? I mean, excellent. There's a lot of guys excellent to question. choose from, and they got like 30 guys on the team. Um, I, it's not going to be Jackson Francois because I don't think, like, I, I don't think he can dunk. Can he dunk? He might be able to. He's pretty tall, Gabe. He can dunk. All right. Well, Jackson, if you're watching and you can dunk, I apologize. I I think so. <laughs> um. I mean, it, it look, Sternberg couldn't dunk, right? Like, no, that was physically impossible, wasn't it? Yeah. No, they, they literally, like, had to lift him up for him to dunk a couple okay. times. So, um, I think okay. that was pretty clear he wasn't going to make I'm, it by himself. All right. So, this year, if J.V. Brown dunks in a game, I will write a column about it. Okay. Sure. Everybody, you heard it here first. J.V. Brown, you're the man. Um, <laughs> Dennis Gates, let him off the leash. Let's get him in the game. <laughs> 
<laughs> see what he can well, do. But I mean, let's be honest. If Sternberg was four inches taller, it was dangerous because he actually played a good amount more than yeah. I expected he was going to play last year. Um, JV Brown, I'm, I'm not sure the playing time is going to be there, but because because like seriously, Dennis has a full roster. Like he has a he could play five walk-ons at, at the end of the game when it's like a 20-point game with a minute and 10 seconds left, he could just put five walk-ons in the game. Yeah, no, that's that's an actual option for him. Um, I don't know that all 15 are going to be eligible to play every game because you can only have 15 in the scorebook like you wrote about. Um, but, yeah, you know, on the rare instance where all five walk-ons are able to play, you know, we're looking for J.V. Brown. Yeah, so so for those of you who don't read every word we write, first, shame on you. Um, sign up and do it, you know. But second, um, so we finally did get clarity, and and this isn't the most pressing thing that we need to talk about, obviously. But it is notable. This team has eighteen players. Only fifteen can go in the scorebook, and you have to be in the scorebook to play. So every night there are going to be three guys on that bench who absolutely cannot play in the game now. We won't know who they all are. Um, you know, I, I know on Monday night, Danny Stevens was in a boot and Connor Vanover was suspended. So those were two of them. I don't know who the third guy was. Um, you know, probably Tanjay, right? Yeah. It, it, it could have been, but we don't know that. I mean, it could have right. been JV Brown also, could have been Jackson Francois. They didn't play in that game. So, so we don't really know who it was. But point being, there's going to be 18 guys on the bench, only 15 are eligible to play. They probably won't play 15 very often. But, Look, I don't want to spend a lot of time about Monday night, but first chance to see the team. Like, what kind of stood out? What was your big takeaway or, or a couple things that you you saw in that game? Yeah, so uh, the, the one that I wrote about um, after Monday night's game was how important the returners were for the team. Um, you, you talk about, like, Nick Honor being steady Eddie, um, you know, picking up right where he left off. Noah Carter having a pretty good game, showing that he's going to bully mismatches inside. Um, Sean East having, like, the best game he's had as a Tiger, I want to say. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that we've seen a better version of him where he's knocking down threes and driving to the rim. Um, and then also, like, a breakout performance for Aiden Shaw, who led the team in rebounds, had five blocks. I didn't realize that until after the game, like, how, how good he was defensively. I, I didn't realize that until right now. Yeah, five blocks and two steals. So I mean, he was doing everything, all the dirty work for them. So um, that was that was my main takeaway. Was like the guys that they brought back are going to be really important this year. Um, and then like uh, Jeff had said in the in the comments there, like this team is really deep. Like they had three guys who probably weren't available, and they still went like twelve deep off the bench. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think it's going to be – Dennis Gates has options. He has a lot yeah. of options. They are they're going to play really fast. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, those guys you all mentioned, it, it strikes me that Gates's biggest strength is finding a role for a guy and getting that guy to buy into the role. Last year, you know, Noah's role was – hey, you're kind of going to take a back seat to Kobe Brown. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just are. Um, Noah honestly had the quietest 15 points I can remember. Like, I didn't realize he had 15 points till that game was over. But Sean East was a – he was a supporting player last year who, frankly, didn't shoot the ball that well. But clearly his role on this team 
is going to be a lot different. Nick Honor, after a full year of Gates begging him to shoot, went out and shot the ball 14 times, including 10 from three-point range. Um, he's been telling Aiden Shaw all, all offseason, rebound and defense, that's what I need out of you. Nine rebounds, five blocks. I, I mean, he gets these guys to buy into whatever role he needs them for, and I think that's pretty big when you've got this many guys on the team because I, I think it will be easy or would be easy with this many guys for some dudes to get a little disgruntled with their playing time as mm -hmm. this season goes forward. But Gates seems pretty good at handling that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, and we're talking about like, they still have two guys on the bench who are going to be a part of the rotation moving forward. Right. And so the minutes are going to be spread around, but you're only going to have so many minutes. And, and so when he tells you, like, this is what I need from you, it's important that you go out and do it while you have the opportunity. Because if not, like, he'll put somebody else in who can get the job done. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that, that that's a really good skill for Dennis to have um, with a team like this where he can, you know, like I said before, we'll have a lot of options to turn to. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, hang on. I put up the wrong comment. We'll get to the recruiting <laughs> stuff. But uh, Kyle, you're talking about those two players. Okay, so let's take these one at a time. Not just for the Memphis game, but for the first three games, like how big a deal is this Connor Vanover thing? Because I tend um, to think it doesn't really much matter for three so games. It won't matter, I think, in kind of the grand scheme of things. Like, if, you know, two of the opponents shouldn't be all that challenging. The Memphis game, we'll see, right? Um, but in terms of, like, what they're going to miss while he's out, um, I, I think that Mizzou really struggled to protect the paint against um, Arkansas Pine Bluff on Monday. You saw guys um, getting to the free throw line over 30 times. Um I, you know, Jesus Carolero was, you know, pretty solid in the in the 10 minutes that he got in the first half. But um, guys were, were getting past him um, and getting able to go to the rim. So um, that's something that I feel like that they're going to struggle with without Connor in this Memphis game and, and the game after that. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's something that they can overcome, especially if they get another performance from Aiden like he had on Monday. We can agree it's really stupid he's suspended for three games, right? Yeah, I absolutely. Like, I don't understand it. I, it. Basically, what happened was Connor finished his – last year was his fifth year in college, right? Mm -hmm. I think. So he finished the year, thought, hey, I might be done with college basketball, was invited to play at the Portsmouth Invitational, which is an NBA pre-draft camp, went, played in it, and then once he decided to come back to school is now suspended because he played there. Um, I don't really, and, and Dennis said after the game, he said, look, we made these rules for this extra COVID year. And then we forgot to like change the other rules for, I mean, this is the NCAA at its finest. Like, let's just make a rule and not even think about what the, what the consequences of it are. And then punish the kids when they break a rule that they probably didn't even know about that we should have seen coming. Yeah, absolutely. And and on top of that, too, we, we were joking about like, well, how many level one recruiting violations did Connor Vanover commit? Right. Because right. there's a certain coach that's west of here that only got four games for that. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think it's absolutely. So, so the mathematical formula is every level one violation. It's 1.25 level one violations per game. So Bingo. Connor Vandiver should actually be, I, I guess he committed somewhere between two and a half and three level one violations, I guess. Yeah. And they, they rounded up for that. Yeah. So, but, but it's, it's dumb. I, I mean, it's dumb. The other question, uh, do we expect John Tanjay to play? I don't know because I didn't really under, I mean, he didn't play. Mm-hmm. He had an injury in the off season at some point. We don't know exactly what it was, um, but he didn't play. And then when I asked Dennis, if he was healthy after the game, he said, yeah, he been practicing full speed and went through walkthrough today. Didn't really get into why he didn't play. Well, Gabe, it takes a long time to recover from an amputation, as we all know. <laughs> That's, fair. That's fair. No, um, a, a part of me wants to think that maybe they held him out on Monday so that he would be ready for Friday's game. But I don't know that for a fact, obviously. But right. that, that that kind of, given what Dennis said, um, that kind of made me want to connect the dots that maybe he'll be ready to play on Friday. Well, and I would just think... I mean, look, you're playing this game on Monday. We agree it's a kind of a pointless game, but if he's healthy, like give him four minutes at the end so his first game isn't Memphis. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I and again, I, I don't know. Maybe he's not healthy. It, it, Dennis is, is pretty – he keeps this stuff pretty close to the vest, so it, we don't know exactly the situation. He said he's practicing. I'm sure he's going to play at some point. Um, this is not going to become an Isaiah Mosley situation where every night we're curious why John Tanche isn't playing. Uh, at least I, I don't think it. Yeah, knock on wood. <laughs> right, right. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how he makes this thing work because I don't like Trent Pierce didn't play very much. And we expect Trent Pierce to play quite a bit. Vanover and Tanjay didn't play at all. We expect them to play. I mean, I, I, I'm going to need like a, you know, this is like a Rubik's Cube figuring out how this team is going to work minutes-wise. I remember somebody on the board saying, like, they could really put two teams out there by themselves. Yeah. That, that's how many guys that they have. Um, you mentioned Trent Pierce. Kurt Lewis is another guy, like, played two minutes. He's the, he's the reigning junior college player of the year, and they can only find two minutes for him. Um, so, yeah, how the rotation kind of shakes itself out, that's going to be something really interesting to watch throughout the non-conference play. And after the game, like Dennis publicly apologized for not playing before Major. Like, <laughs> pretty soon it's going to be there. There's this kid who looks super athletic, fourth row, section 109. Mm-hmm. I really should have got him in the game. You know, I mean, they got so many guys. I like we're making a joke of it, but I, I truly am not sure how this works. I, I, I'm not saying it's not going to work. I fully expect it to work. I, I'm just interested to see how it comes together. Well, and like it's something that he's done before, right? This isn't new for Gates. They they often went 10, 11, 12 deep while he was at Florida State, while he was at Cleveland State. So he's got experience with making that work. And, and, and when I say like bringing. 12 guys off the bench, they're all playing at least 10 minutes, right? So he'll he'll find a way to get everybody their playing time. Um, I, I think it will just take a, a little while to figure out exactly how that happens. Right, who works with who and, and what the best lineup is and all that. It, it's it's going to... Gates, Gates admitted, like, there was a rotation in there I shouldn't have 
had. And that led to a 15 to two run for Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, so it, it's going to be some trial and error through these early games. No question. Um, anything, anything that came out of that game, other than the fact that they called 97 fouls that you thought, well, that's something that like, it doesn't hurt against Arkansas Pine Bluff, but let's keep an eye on it. Um, really the only thing was like early on in that first half, it, it did feel like they were struggling to protect the paint without Connor Vanover in there. Um, but they were, they're obviously like a little bit vertically challenged without the seven foot five guy on the floor. Um, but like I said, Aiden Shaw really came on in the second half. Um, and, and when they had the lineups with Jordan Butler and Trent Pierce on the floor together, like that's a really lanky front court um, that I think helped them out a little bit. So um, it was it was a small concern, and, and they seemed to figure it out as the game went through, but that was really it for me. Yeah, and I think, like, without Vanover, obviously they don't have, you know, a seven-footer, but if, if they get that Aiden Shaw and if Trent Pierce is what we've heard, like, their backcourt is actually quite a bit bigger than it was last year. You know, I mean, Caleb Grill is big. Tamar Bates is not small. Anthony Robinson is actually bigger than I think people – would have expected him to be. I mean, mm -hmm. he's not out there at 6'6", but but he's a pretty good-sized kid. Sean East is not little, so I, I think they've got some I, – I think they're they're bigger than they were last year. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you, the big – I mean, I guess Kobe like, was basically their center last year. So. Exactly, right? And, and, like, the only guy they had – bigger than him that was playing regularly was Mo Diara, who's 6'10", right? Now you've got right. Trent Pierce. Is you, that, that, that is NC State double-double machine Mo Diara to you. Yes, way. sorry. Apologies <laughs> to Mo. No, but they've got they've got Trent Pierce. They've got Jordan Butler. Aiden Shaw is a lot stronger. That's what I saw in that first game. Like, he, he's gotten up 18 pounds, I think, is, is what he told me this offseason. Um, so while he's not, like, you know, physically taller, he's still a lot bigger and can handle some of the um, kind of size disadvantages better in his sophomore year than he did last year. I'm uh, I'm working on getting up 18 pounds this offseason too, just for the record. I don't know if I'm oh. there yet, but, but I'm, I'm doing <laughs> Good for <I> you. <laughs> um, well, uh, so, so the way I want to do this is we'll go kind of in chronological order. We'll talk about Memphis a little bit at the end because I do think this is – kind of one of those barometer games, at least, right? Like, there's no must-win games in college basketball in November, mm -hmm. but I, I think it's an interesting game. We'll get there, but um, as uh, as uh, Jason said, today went pretty well for Dennis Gates. Uh, five recruits, all signed on the first day of the early signing period, all ranked in the rivals' top 150. I think they're all in the top 130. I forget exactly. Mm -hmm. T.O. Barrett. Um Locked them all up. Uh, I, I saw they they put on Twitter that Honor Boating is Missouri's highest ranked individual recruit in seven years. Uh, number two class in the country, which could change at some point and uh, mm -hmm. actually go up. But uh, all in all, it's not like it's a surprise. We knew all this was, was going to happen, but good to get get it all official and there isn't any like, well, why didn't this kid sign today? Or is somebody calling this guy? I mean, they're all locked in for next year. Yeah, no no drama with this mm -hmm. recruiting class. Um, and like you said, like 
it's a really impressive group. I, I have my column coming out tomorrow. Um, and I think what the staff should get credit for is that I think they're kind of exploiting a market inefficiency, right? Because everybody's going after portal guys right now. That's the popular thing to do. They're a proven commodity. And this staff, they have six seniors who are going to graduate and move on after this year, regardless of, you know, whatever else happens. And, and so you look at, okay, people aren't recruiting high school kids as much anymore. And we have a lot of spots to fill for next year. Let's go get some guys. And they've done a really good job of finding guys that are going to fit the system um, that are especially talented. Um, and, and I think are going to build up Mizzou's profile moving forward. Um, I think that they, they've gotten a whole lot of national recognition because of what they were able to do in this class. Thank you, Youngling Mike. Um, Yingling Mike, sorry. Yingling but <laughs> Support the sponsors. Yes, yes, we got two. Um, but no, yeah, absolutely can't under understate how good of a job they've done with this year's signing class. And I mean, looking at this class as it stands right now, and we'll get to what might happen uh, momentarily, but as it stands right now, they legitimately recruited a starting five. I mean, Antonio Barrett is, he's a combo guard, but he is perfectly capable of playing the point. Yeah. Our Boateng is a 6'5 shooting guard. By the way, Barrett's 6'5 too. Uh, Boateng is a, is a shooting guard. Marcus Allen is a 6'7, like he's a wing. He's He's maybe a little more four-ish than two-ish, I think. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, but, but, but he's he's the wing. Peyton Marshall is your like he's a, a traditional power forward, right? Like stick him on the block and down low. And then Trent Burns is seven foot two. I, I mean, they like if you go toward position basketball, I guess that's what we call it now. If it's not positionless basketball, it's position full basketball or something. Um, yeah. But like they, they recruited a guy at every spot on the court in this, in this class. Um, and like, I don't, I, I don't want to overhype everything, but I know how excited fans are for this. And like, if Gates, if this becomes what a lot of people want it to be like, you can see people looking at that class as like Missouri's the, the 2020 Missouri version of the fab five, right. Or maybe the super six uh, here in a few days or, <laughs> or whatever. But I, I mean, this is like, this is the plan that I kind of heard behind the scenes all along is we're going to come in, we're going to patch it together for year one. We're going to get kind of a foundational group for our second team. And then we're going to go get pros. And I, look, we don't know if these guys are pros, but it, they have the potential. Uh, absolutely. I, I would guess that at least one of this group is going to end up being a pro, if not more. Um, and like I said, again, like they went out and got guys that fit the system, you know, like T.O. Barrett, I feel like could, could fit anywhere, right? He's a connector guard, um, he, he's going to do whatever it takes to win, whatever is asked of him. Honor Boateng is a stud. Um, one of the things that caught my eye when I watched him was they he's able to score in a number of different ways, right? They used him posting up on mismatches. They had him coming off of screens, off the ball and on the ball. Um, Marcus Allen is, you know, we mentioned he's kind of more of a 
a, a forward than he is a guard. Um, but defensively, he'll be able to guard one through five. Um, he, he's got that kind of versatility to him. Um, we mentioned, you know, Peyton Marshall um, being kind of a traditional guy on the block back to the basket. Um, he's he's going to be tough to get off the block is the thing. There's not a lot of guys that can move him around. And, and I, I think they the release called him like one of the best passers in the country. Absolutely. Yeah. Dennis Gates said that himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at Trent Pierce, like he's seven foot two and he can shoot threes, Gabe. Like he's he's not going to be um, somebody who cramps the floor uh, because defenses are going to sag off of him. Like he's a guy that you actually legitimately have to guard. Um, and, and so not only is it a starting five, like I said, but it's a starting five that I think Dennis Gates can win with. Um, and that's probably the most important thing with this next recruiting class. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Butler made it, made his only three on uh, Monday night at, at whatever, seven foot, seven, one, six, 11, whatever he might be in that range. We know Vanover, uh, but, but you said something, you said, you know, this is a group of kids that fits the system and like a hundred percent. Right. I'm not trying to, to really be funny here. This, who doesn't fit this system? This system is legitimately play fast as hell, and we want you all to shoot threes. Like, I'm, maybe not everybody fits in it, but I can't imagine somebody not wanting to fit in it. Mm-hmm. No, it's a fun way to play, right? Like, who doesn't yeah. want to score 101 points in the season opener, you know? Right. Yeah, and, and like, you're 7-2? Yes, I will bench you if you don't shoot threes. <laughs> Every kid wants to hear that, man. Absolutely, man. Uh, go ahead. So, so let's go to to the next part. Um, Steph wants JQ. He, I, I, I the only JQ I know is Jaden Quaintance. Um, mm-hmm. So, the situation is this: uh, he has not committed anywhere. He has eliminated the G League. He has Missouri, Kentucky, Florida, and tangentially Ohio state in the mix. I I don't think anybody thinks Ohio state really is in the mix. I do think Florida is maybe a little bit more involved than, than people might've thought a few weeks ago. I think Mm -hmm. people still have this uh, Missouri Kentucky thing, but my read on it coming out of the Kentucky visit was everybody took a little information and made assumptions. Well, this kid just visited Kentucky. If John Calipari and Kentucky want him, he's going to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Um, now, I, I think they're look, he visited there. Obviously, it's an option. He he may end up there, but I think some of the information that came out nationally kind of disagreed with what we were hearing, which is Missouri kind of feels pretty good about this thing and has for a while. Yeah, for a long time. They've they've felt good about it. Really since JQ um had his really visit since his name Missouri. popped on like yeah. since before it became public. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so, yeah, you look at the names of the schools that Mizzou's competing against, and it's understandable that some people would think that JQ is leaning toward a certain blue blood, right? Um, but when you talk to JQ, you hear things like, I want to go somewhere that's going to develop me to be in the NBA. And Dennis Gates showed he can do that, right? He took Kobe Brown, who I don't think was on the rape anybody's draft radar till about February 
um, and turned him into a first round pick. He took Demoy Hodge, who definitely wasn't on anybody's draft radar until probably after the season, and turned him into an NBA player. He's with the Lakers now, right? Um, even guys who um, didn't play all that much last year, Trago Million and Isaiah Mosley, they're in the G League right now. So I think Dennis Gates has proven that he can develop these guys, and that's something that Jaden's told me that he really values. Obviously, Kentucky's got a lot of guys in the NBA too, but right. – um, I wouldn't underestimate Mizzou's chances in this race. Well, and what stood out, uh, you know, when the first time I talked to Jaden and his dad, like the biggest point they made was, I don't want a coach who's going to stick me down in the paint. That, mm-hmm. Yes, I'm 6'9". That's not what I want to do. I want to have the freedom to go outside. I want to have the freedom to bring the ball up the floor. I, I mean, it, I'm not saying John Calipari doesn't do that. I don't I, Like, this is not me making a Missouri recruiting pitch. All I know is that Dennis Gates absolutely does that and, and would allow, I mean, Kobe brought the ball up the floor sometimes last year. Yeah, he did that. That was actually the point I was about to make was there are like some similarities between what JQ does and what Kobe Brown did for Dennis last year. Um, JQ kind of likes to play that point center role and Kobe had a lot of success doing that last year. So there's an easy, guy that you can point to and say, here's kind of the idea that we had for you in mind. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about the nation's number two recruiting class and talking about the potential of adding the highest rated guy that would be in it. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, uh, I look, I don't, I, I'm not one of these guys that does the math and like, what would this do? What that I've got to imagine if you have the number two class and you add the number 13 player, like you might then have the number one class. I also I mean, don't know. Duke, Duke also might have four of the top 12, but yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I don't want to try the math. I'm not good with numbers to be honest with you, Gabe. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually going to look up Duke's uh, basketball class real quick. Here's what they have. They have a Cooper flag, star, two, four stars and three, five stars. Um, so yeah, Missouri might not catch them. Yeah. They're, they're a little <laughs> ways behind. Yeah, the gap between one and two is like the same as the gap between like two and 14. Um, I kind of like this. Drew Kingling, can we just <laughs> please? Is, is, I love we, it. Can we get that to stick? Yeah, so yes. Yes. It seems like seems like another sponsorship opportunity. Uh, um, but uh, no, we think we think Quaintance is Missouri, Kentucky. I wouldn't completely say Florida is impossible, but I think it would be a surprise. Um, yeah. But the situation is the early signing period runs through next Wednesday. So he could sign somewhere for the next seven days. If he doesn't do it by the end of next Wednesday, um, then the late signing period opens on April 17th. And look, a kid rated that highly. It's not like Missouri or Kentucky is going to say, no, you have to do it. I mean, he's going mm-hmm. to have a spot there. And it also may give him a chance to see how seasons unfold, see what rosters yep. look like, see what the portal looks like, you know. So, so I don't think it's out of the question at all. In fact, if I had to guess today, I think he probably waits. I I would agree with that. Jaden Quaintance uh, has no reason to rush a decision. Um, so, it, it definitely would make sense for him to take his time. But I also wouldn't be like totally shocked if he decides, you know what, like I've, I've made up my mind. Let's go ahead and put pen to paper. Right, let's get it done. Yeah. 
because he doesn't seem to be a kid who's done it super publicly or, and I'm not saying he doesn't like the attention or the recruiting process. I think they all do to some extent, but it just like, I don't think there's going to be a ton of drama around it. It could happen Friday and it could happen April 20th. We, yeah. we just don't honestly know. Um, all right. So kind of, kind of moving, uh, I don't know in order. Cause I forgot the fancy word I was going to say chronologically, order, um, chronologically. There you go. They, uh, Memphis comes down on, on Friday night. They, uh, they beat Jackson state relatively easily on Monday night. I mean, didn't kill them, but you know, that was like a 12 point game middle of the second half. And I think they might've pulled away a little bit from there. Uh, no penny Hardaway. I, I have joked that, uh, we need penny list as a headline somewhere along the line here for, for this team in this game. Uh, no Penny Hardaway. Frank Haith has gone to Texas. Drew supposedly looked up who Memphis's coach will be. So who is it? Yeah, so it'll be a name that SEC – Is it Larry fans, Brown? It's not. Um, okay. It is former Mississippi State head coach Rick Stansberry will be oh, leading the way okay. for the Memphis Tigers. Okay, so in the age of NIL, let's not write off the possibility that Memphis might have four new players by Friday night. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so there you go. Experienced head coach, uh, certainly coming in here. I don't know if Stansberry ever coached in Missouri. I don't remember what his timeline was at Mississippi State. But um, this Memphis team, I think, is kind of like they've got a lot of talent, um, but kind of ranked right about where Missouri is. I think viewed as a tournament team preseason. <laughs> Because they're probably one of the top two teams. It's it's what them and uh, Florida Atlantic, right, are in the same league. Is that right? Yes, uh, the American Athletic Conference. Correct. Okay, so yeah, those are kind of the top two teams in probably a two bid league. Uh, but you, I think, probably know more about Memphis than I do, and by that I mean you know something. So uh, what's up with Memphis? <laughs> so Memphis. Um, like most Penny Hardaway teams, is athletic as hell. Um, they're they're going to get up and down the court just as much as Mizzou is, right? So um, I, I don't expect the pace of the game to be an issue for them. The main thing for them is that, uh, you know, Penny doesn't necessarily run a really strict system. He likes his players to kind of play how they like, right? Play, play their game. Um, and sometimes that leads to a lot of turnovers. So uh, one of the things that stood out to me about their season opener was that they coughed the ball up 16 times. That's something that I think Mizzou can exploit in this matchup. Um, but again, without Connor Vanover and going up against a really athletic team, um, it's going to be important to protect the paint. You want to make sure that you're cutting off driving lanes, making sure guys aren't getting to the rim. Um, and so that's kind of how I see this one shaking out is um, defensively, you got to get stops, get turnovers, and, and keep them either shooting threes or um, giving the ball up. Okay, so, um, you know, you're talking about Memphis's athleticism. They get up and down. They scored 94 points in their season opener against Jackson State. I know college basketball lines do not come out until the, the morning of the game generally. Where, where should we set the over-under for Memphis and Missouri, who between them average 97.5 points in game one? Yeah. Um, it's got to be somewhere in the 160. Like 160? Yeah. I, that's that's the first number that came to mind was 160. Just because – and it might be higher, Gabe. 
honestly. Right, and I would take at 160, I would take the over. Yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe like 164, 166. I don't know where I, exactly I would put it, but it's going to be up there. It's like the anti-Iowa football line. Exactly. Like every Iowa game. I saw I saw the Iowa Rutgers over under this week is 28 and a half. This is this is like the direct opposite. That's that. disgusting. That is gross. And also hammer the under. Like there's no way those two teams are scoring 28 points. <laughs> I saw I saw a thing the other day that uh listed the six highest scoring games played in Wrigley Field this year, and Iowa Northwestern was number six. The other the top five were baseball games. That adds up, yeah. Yeah, the Cubs won a game 24 to 10 at one point, uh, apparently. So, uh, Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz, very jealous. Uh, I feel like we're a little off uh, off path here. But um, so this is, this is one of those games that I, – look, I love, I love teams playing these games, right? They're, they're interesting. Day two and, and even – Minnesota next week on the road. At least it's interesting. You know, I think they should win that, but at least it's a team we've heard of. What's how much does this game mean? I mean, how much will you take out of whatever happens in this game? That's a good question. Um, I think it's it's a game that you could take more stock in, um, just because I think that's kind of the level of competition you're gonna see going into conference play is, is the Memphis's of the world. Um, obviously one thing that I, I didn't mention earlier was um, you're kind of catching Memphis at a good time. They have a ton of newcomers um, who, and obviously like Penny Hardaway's out. So um, the chemistry won't necessarily be there. So maybe don't take, you know, all your stock into Memphis, but I think it is a, a game that we're going to learn a lot about what Missouri can be heading into the rest of the year, um, just because it, it's going to be a team, like you said, that, that's kind of interesting, right? They, they, it's not a lock that Missouri is going to win this game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's definitely one that is going to be important going into this year. I think it has more upside than downside. Like, I, I think this is a win that if you get it, you know, come selection Sunday, it's kind of one you point to and say, hey, that was that was solid. That was pretty good. If you lose it, I don't think it kills you because I think Memphis is a tournament team. I think it, I mean, it's far better. Like losing to Memphis is much better than beating like Houston Christian or some of those teams Missouri played last year. Right. Like what we're not going to have this year is if Missouri's got 24 wins heading into the NCAA tournament, we're not going to be talking about if they're on the eight nine line, because with this mm-hmm. schedule, they'll be higher than Right. When we look at the net ratings, right, the the net rankings, this is going to end up being a quad one or quad two game. And always, like every time, those will always help more than it hurts you. I think as long as you don't have like a high number of losses in that category. Um, And so, but yeah, when, when you talk about beating a quad one or quad two team, those games really help on your resume when it comes to tournament time and seed selection. And, and what I like about this is, look, we went, I think the date last year, I think the KU game was December 10th. We went into December 10th and Missouri was 9-0 and and we honestly didn't feel like we knew very much about it. You know, I mean, we said, yeah, they had a nice overtime win at Wichita State, but I, I don't really know. Um, 
that's not going to be the case this year. This year, by the time we're talking KU, Illinois, like I think we're going to have a much better idea of what this team is going to be. And that was by design too, Gabe. You know, oh, yeah. I talked 100%. to Ryan, Ryan Charbaugh, you know, talked to me about how um, they put this schedule together based on what they saw during the summer practices, right, and how good that they felt about the roster that they had. They felt like they were ready to go and take on these bigger challenges early on because of the amount of experience that they have with this roster. So, um, yeah, it, it's a game that, you know, the schedule itself is is going to be more challenging, and, and they want that for this group because um, they have some pretty high expectations this year. And I mean, look, Dennis spent all November and December last year trying to convince me they played a good schedule. So I can't imagine what words he's going to come up with for this schedule. This is, <laughs> this is murderer's row compared to last year. <laughs> and again, like I get why they did it and it worked out. Like I, but let's be honest, those first nine games were kind of like anything less than eight and one would be rather discouraging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Benson wants to know starting five and first three off the bench against Memphis. So, I go two ways on this. Like Dennis seems to, if he has a starting lineup that wins the game, he seems to stick with it. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see the same five. I also think, well, did Aiden Shaw maybe earn a starting job? But like just the way he's talked about Aiden and I think what he does to kind of push buttons and motivate him, I think he's going to make Aiden do it a couple more times before he'd put him in the starting lineup. I agree with that. Yeah. Like you said, Dennis doesn't really like to change up the lineup when he's winning. Um, and, and also, like, I, I think it helps to have an energy guy like that with Aiden come, come off, off the, the bench. bench. Um, and so I, I would expect kind of the same starting five from Monday with Nick, Sean, um, Caleb Grill, not Trent Pierce, uh, which was <laughs> confused. Which was on the on. scoreboard briefly. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, Noah Carter and then Hayes's. Uh, Carolero Martin at the five. Um, and then first three off the bench, it's got to be Tamar Bates after what we yeah. saw Monday. Um, Aiden Shaw, of course. And then the third guy, it, did you love what you saw from Caleb Brown on Monday? I don't know that love is the word I would use. Um, and, and it's probably too soon to say the third guy off the bench is Trent Pierce. But I was legitimately caught off guard by him only playing seven minutes on Monday. I, was I, I think the third too. guy. I think the third guy off the bench will be Ant Robinson actually, because I think he's going to play a lot. Yeah, more than I was expecting. You know, because yeah. I, I think everybody kind of thought he's going to sit behind Sean and Nick and kind of learn the ropes his first year. But they're they're going to get him on the court, throw him into the fire a little bit. Um, another option for the third guy off the bench, maybe John Tanjay if he's healthy, ready to go. Um, but we won't know until he's actually out there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that's kind of the group, um, you know, I, I, at least for now, again, until you get Tanjay back. Oh, well, until, we, we forgot. No, we didn't. I, I said I'm sure we skipped somebody. Yeah. There's a lot of guys. I mean, there's so many guys. There's no way we can be expected to. Like, if, if you told me name every player on the Missouri basketball roster, there's absolute. I don't. I don't think I could do it right now, just off the top of my head. I think I would need a minute. It would take a minute just to recite them all. <laughs> just, right. Even if I had a list in front of me, I would need a minute. So, so I'd need like three or four minutes. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, so, fingers crossed. Uh, third guy off the bench will be JV Brown. And he will dunk. 
Yes. It would, be, it would kind of be a shame if I had to write my whole column Friday night about uh, JV Brown dunk, but that is uh, a shame. Okay. I think it would be a badge of honor for you. Yeah. Um, so he, he, look, what we know is honor Carter and East are going to start. I, I yeah. see no situation in which it, not just Friday. I see almost no situation in which those guys don't start, you know, 32 or more games. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're really talking about two and the starting five, I, I don't think super matters. Um, but I mean, Tad brings up a good point. You can't lose with, uh, with Jesus in the game, you know, I mean, you got, you got Jesus on your side. Things are, things are going well, man. Very uh, true. Uh, I am still, by the way, taking applications for the Tamar Bates fan club. We haven't talked about him a lot, but man, he looked good. He, he just looked really like good. a guy that you said he went somewhere and it just kind of like it just got a little bit sideways and just he never really got in a groove. And now a fresh start might really be huge for him. And he might be the guy everybody thought he was three years ago. When I talked to him this summer, you know, I was like, how, how are you enjoying it here? What, what stands out to you about playing here? And he says, Mizzou is a cheat code, right? He says, I, I just feel like I'm able to play freely here and, and unlock so many things that I haven't before. Um, and, and we definitely saw that on Monday where he's just scoring at will from all three levels. Um, and so, yeah, he's going to be a really fun player to watch this season. And, and and I thought the interesting part when he left Indiana and it, when, when we had tweeted out that, you know, he committed on, I think like a Friday night, cause all these kids need PR lessons of when to put out good news and it's not Friday night at nine 30. Um, but like when we, when we tweeted out the story that he had committed, I was shocked at how many of the replies were from Indiana fans saying, Man, I hope it works for him because he's a really good. It, like, it it's not what you see normally when a kid has left his school, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, uh, it, it it's it's not always like vitriolic, but it's either I hope he's terrible or like cool, we didn't need him, he's not any good. Yeah, like Indiana fans genuinely seem to be rooting for the kid and and seem to believe that he would probably do well somewhere else. And it's not like he was terrible at Indiana, right? It's just that he wasn't necessarily living up to his full potential. And I think that he's going to be able to do that at Mizzou this year. Yeah. I've seen this comparison a lot, and I know this is well before your day, Drew, but uh, shades of Kareem Rush. He's a lefty. Um, it's it's a little early. Um, you know, um, Kareem was – I mean – if Kareem's not on the all-time team here, he's at least coming off the bench on it. Um, so if, if tomorrow can do that, I think people will be uh, very happy, but media day tomorrow um, for basketball. Uh, Drew will be there to talk to, I'm going to guess Dennis Gates and Noah Carter. Close. It's Dennis Gates and Nick honor. Okay. Mm. I, I knew it would I knew it would be one of them, but hey, credit to credit to them for letting us talk to tomorrow after the game on Monday. That that was a pleasant surprise. So yeah, um, so yeah, we'll we'll have that tomorrow. Um, plenty of stuff. Uh, Drew will have a a uh, preview of the game on Friday morning. We will go live after that game on mm-hmm. Friday night. So it's gonna be a late night Friday night, 
and then uh, they play football on Saturday. So busy week. Um, appreciate all you guys joining us. Uh, hit the like button, subscribe, share. All of those things um, would really appreciate you guys getting the word out um, as basketball season gets going, as football season comes down the stretch. Uh, we've had a lot of people watching these and sharing them. So if you guys can can do that for us, more audience helps us do more things and uh, bring you guys more shows. So we anticipate having uh, somewhere around probably seven to ten during the regular season and then all postseason for basketball. We'll do one every week, but I'm just talking postgame shows. Uh, but we will do weekly shows, football and basketball through the end of the football season and then transition to making Drew do this twice a week and actually earn the money I pay him every month as opposed to, you know, the last seven months. You haven't had to actually do anything, have you, Drew? Uh, I mean, I went to... You've just been hanging out watching Wimbanyana highlights, haven't you? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I'm about to to go watch the Spurs game now after this, so... There you go. Perfect. We're going to let Drew go watch the Spurs. You guys do what you do. Again, like, share, subscribe. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time.